0: Welcome to Top 5, a show where we sit down and, I guess, rank things. Yeah. I guess. Talk about them. Please. Yeah, talk Just about them. them. Maybe get angry at each other over things.
1: On through five, yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, this week... Oh, people are listening, Matthew. We probably ought to do a show this week on oh. Top 5. The top five books we've read recently. Now, I know what you're thinking in your mind there, Carl. Ah, I think these guys have done this uh, topic before. We did five years ago, maybe even six <laughs> years ago. It's five or six years ago that we did this topic. So William I figured
1: Rogers came back five <laughs> years later. Do, 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 do,
0: I figured do. over the course of five years, we have probably read five books. And so we can um, do things that we've done recently. So. Really? Do you not read books that often?
1: I don't read book books. Um, I read a lot of digital stuff and I read a lot of, you know, online and I read tons and tons of comics, but I'm like, well, what actual booky books or even like Kindle books have I read? So I have I
0: mean Kindle, Kindle books is, is a book. Audiobooks are a book.
1: But you got to remember, I can't listen to audiobooks when I'm at work.
0: No, but you, you can in I the car. Home. You can in the we, car.
1: I. When can I listen in the car?
0: Oh, how long does it take you to get to work?
1: 14 minutes.
0: That's 14 minutes a book.
1: I'm talking to my wife.
0: Eh, talking's overrated. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, see, you see your wife all the time. You can talk to her anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, here's, so I actually read a lot of books. Uh, I, now, I will say that uh, 2020 has not been a good year for me reading books. Uh, but typically, I read anywhere between 50 and 70 books a year. Uh, and so what I thought I would do is for my top five books that I've read recently, I'm only going to do the most recent five books. Uh, I'm not going to count, you know, these aren't my favorite books that I've read over the last five years. These are just going to be my most recent five books that I've read. And in fact, from the time that I wrote this list on Saturday, Matthew, to the time that we are recording this, I actually have read two more books that I had to have, I had to amend my, I had to amend my, uh. My list. So, what do you have for number five? I'm curious. Dork.
1: Uh, my number five is actually a Christmas gift, as are many of the physical books on this list. In fact, with the exception of one, I think they are all Christmas gifts. Uh, but my number five is actually a book that my wife gave me that is really, really fascinating in a way of oh, I kind of knew that, but not necessarily from that perspective. My number five: Marvel Year by Year of Visual History. Oh, yeah, uh, it is one of those huge coffee table books that you could like you can use yeah. it to kill pests in the house and carry it around and throw it at people. You could be a superhero. You could be bookman. But it has a lot of really cool imagery, not as many stories. It's not like, you know, Marvel the Untold Story, where it's all things you didn't know about Stanley's mm-hmm. mustache. Mm-hmm. but it it has a lot of really interesting behind the scenes information. You'll see some original art. Really huge reproductions of things like the Hulk uh, number one, Hulk annual number one with that Steranko cover where the Hulk is bending over and holding the logo or, you know, the breakdown of the Black Widow in her first appearance in her her shiny, shiny John Romita catsuit. And it's fascinating to look at this. And then about 1992, it all just goes straight to H.E. Double hockey sticks. But they commit. They're like, we're going to show you something important from 1994. Have you heard of Nightwatch? and it's just <laughs> it's a book that i really enjoy simply because of my amateur historian comic bookie status where i'm like oh yeah i kind of forgot that that happened because of this or that you know wonder man's first appearance was actually not his first appearance it's technically his second appearance all of these things that happened and all of these bits and pieces Really large, really, really well printed and massive compared to the actual comics themselves. So Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed it. It It's a nice Christmas gift. And I I read it and I'm like, oh, that's awesome.
0: Yeah, cool. So the uh, most recent fifth book that I have read uh, is Wanderers, a novel from Chuck Wendig. And I actually started this in January. And uh, it is a story about a girl whose sister suddenly becomes a catatonic Zombie, more or less sleepers is what they are. They're, they're alive. They are mobile. They can wander around. They can move. Uh, You just can't connect with them. And if you try to poke them with a, a needle, their skin is super, super solid and it'll break the needle. And as the story progresses, there's just this huge group of wanderers that are going somewhere. We don't know where. And then suddenly we start to piece together why and what's happening with these people in relation to the rest of the world because turns out this book isn't about some scary group of people wandering around and the people who are trying to figure it out in the lives that that they touch along the way no this is a story about a global pandemic that kills 99 percent of the population
1: oh that sounds depressing
0: not only i mean it really does get depressed so I think a lot of people will take Wanderers and instantly compare it to The Stand because there mm-hmm. are a lot of parallels between yeah. what happens with Captain Trips in in Stephen King's novel and what's going on with the uh, the white, I forget what they call it here, white death or whatever it is, uh, in Wanderers. The white uh, shadow. Yeah, but the, the thing that makes this such a hard read was that Windig actually went through you can tell he did his research on how pandemics spread and how stuff comes out of caves infected by bats and infects people. And you pick this book up and you start reading it in January and you're like, okay, I'm reading this here and there. La, 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 la. It's kind of interesting, kind of creepy in places. This feels like something that could happen today. And then we hit February. Mm. And pretty much everything that he talks about as far as global pandemics go play out in real time in the United States and the rest of the world. Uh. And I literally had to stop reading this book because it became so prophetic in so many different places that I was freaked out and even more depressed and even more upset about what was going on in this book. And, you know, finally, uh, and I didn't read anything. I mean, this is a book that made me say, you know what, I'm done reading for a while. And it took me, it took me almost two months before I said, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm going to finish this book. I need to know what happens. And I hope it doesn't end the way that the stand ends, because I still think that is one of the uh, 10 worst endings of all time.
1: <laughs> I didn't like the ending.
0: That's well, a Stephen King book. What'd you expect? Right. Um, That's
1: actually one of the best parts of it. Part two is Stephen King actually shows up and tells his, <laughs> uh, his surrogate in the story, yeah, that ending sucked.
0: <laughs> but I did pick it up, and I did make it all the west, rest of the way through, but I will say, and it's a it's a very good book, okay? It's a very good book. It, but here's the thing. If you are someone that is extremely disturbed by the events of COVID-19, oh. this is a book you don't want to read. No. And I'm I'm giving you this right now because it is so... Like I said, prophetic as far as how the disease was spreading. And again, I'm reading this in February, as in January and February, as the disease is coming out of China and as it's spreading around the rest of the world, and we're seeing, you know, people dying by the tens of thousands around the world. Uh, that this is a book that will that will trigger you, okay? And so I, I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, if you're someone who doesn't believe that the COVID virus exists, well, I, I feel sorry for you. You probably have difficulty reading, and I probably would not suggest reading Wanderers. Uh, but for the rest of the world that understands what a pandemic is and maybe you want some of that, that grippy fear going on, then definitely Wanderers by Chuck Windig is uh, is a good book to pick up.
1: If you want to contextualize your anxiety into a fictional setting. Oh, yeah. Which <laughs> sometimes does help.
0: Is, this is definitely it. This is definitely yeah. it. So, Matthew, what do you have for your number four?
1: My number four. Uh, is remarkably a book that I picked up almost exactly five years ago. And again, you know, I keep saying, oh, oh, I read a lot of books. I read a lot of stuff. I read things, but I don't necessarily sit down and read a book. But when one of my colleagues and co-hosts writes a book, I'm like, hey, I'm going to read it. My number four is The Tale of Tallest Rabbit, written by our own uh, Rodrigo. And it's one of those books that I enjoy because I remember being 12 and 13 and reading the books for people slightly above my level and going, hey, what's this all about? Reading things like, you know, The White Mountains and and Invasion of the Body Snatchers and the weird Ray Bradbury crazy stuff and even Harlan Ellison, which don't do that if you're 12. Good Lord, it'll mess you up. You'll end up like me. But I like The Tale of Tallest Rabbit because it's, truly an all-ages book it's one of those books where you can just go hey i enjoy this on a level as both you know a a former child and as an adult there's things in there for everyone Uh, i actually my wife introduced it to her book club uh the kid loved it she was like oh man this is great and she specifically when i was putting together this top five it's always a family thing we're like hey what should i do for top five and they're like here's some bad ideas and also one that you might want Uh, But Widget was immediately like, yep, you got to do Tale of Tallest Rabbit. I'm like, was that in the last five years? She's like, December of 2015. It's exactly within. And so that's why it's my number four.
0: There you go. Uh, My number four is by Tom Merritt. Now, you may remember uh, maybe even the last time we did this book me talking about Pilot X. And if you don't know what Pilot X is, Pilot X is someone who pilots a ship. They they don't have names. They only have titles. X is his name. Pilot is his designation. And he is someone that comes from a planet where um, time travel is possible. And time travel is possible because you can get into this, what looks like a little tiny ship, which is bigger on the inside. And you can go through time and space and you can have adventures and solve problems and save the universe. Or in the case of Pilot X, destroy the universe. Oh. Which leads us to my number four, Trigger, the follow-up to Pilot X, also by Tom Merritt, where we pick up almost immediately after the universe has been destroyed, or shortly after, to find out what Pilot X has been up to, and he finds out that the uh, device that destroyed the universe, someone is working on a device to destroy the new universe, and so he goes in search for that. He also goes in search for Pi and a bunch of other things inside of a ship that, uh, I don't know, it's... It's it's no secret. It is the TARDIS, and Pilot X is the Doctor. Uh, Tom just doesn't say those things. Uh, but you can tell that this is definitely a Doctor Who, Who adventure, and if the BBC would ever pick up these books and read them, I think they would say, hey, we should give this Tom Merrick guy a crack at writing a Doctor Who story, because I think he could do a really good job of it. Uh, I would. Uh, Tom says you can read these books in any order uh, because of the timey-wimey nature of, of the story, but honestly, I think you need to read Pilot X first and then Trigger, but Trigger is the one that I've read most recently of these two. Definitely a book worth picking up, and that's why it is on my number four. Nice. Yeah, what do you have for number three there, Matthew?
1: My number three is a book that I bought to assuage my disappointment at one of the worst decisions of my adult life.
0: Is that coming and working for me?
1: I will smack you. I will smack. Not everything is about
0: you. No, I'm just saying, was it the worst decision you made was coming to work for me? This is the point where where you can do some negging. And, uh, yeah. and and finally agree with me on something. And you, all
1: you might be top five. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, hey, we've got a title drop. My number three uh, goes back to the year either 2003 or 2004. Um, the, the local uh, Topeka Theater here in town occasionally will have like a big, big deal person come to town. And they've had a lot of big deal people. They had a comedian that we don't talk about anymore. And they had a writer that we don't talk anymore. And, you know, we had a bunch of people come through, and one of the people who came through was George Carlin.
0: Oh, man.
1: And I didn't go.
0: Oh, man. For
1: for a number of reasons, I didn't go. Now, remember, this is 2004. George passed away in 2008, I think. And I still just hate the fact that I didn't go. So a few years ago, uh, after the fact, because it came out like literally the year he passed away, I realized that George had written his own autobiography, which had been published posthumously. It's called Last Words, Mm -hmm. and it's my number three. And it's literally George telling the story of his life, starting with his conception. And he actually makes the joke that he was raised Catholic, and that's why and literally all the way through his life and he he passed away like either during or immediately after completing the book he he finished this book and then he died so i got this just a few years ago and i read it and oh it is heartbreaking and funny and it's deep it's mm-hmm. weirdly deep even Even if you're used to George doing that stuff where he's like, here's a joke with an F bomb in it, and now I'm going to unravel your world with the thought process behind it. You know, even if you're used to hearing him talk about things like, Kansas, one of the square states, we'll put a fence around it, we'll throw all the criminals and let them fight it out on pay per view. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Uh, You know, it's my state. It's not a very good one. He's right. It's just one of the square ones in the middle. But, Last words really, really got to me, and I've read it three or four times since then. It's one of the most recent things that I've actually looked at. Right before my last move, I was like, "Oh man, I need to look at this." And then I realized I couldn't find the dust jacket. I'm like, "Oh crap, where'd I put the dust jacket?" And I found a stack of dust jackets, like fifteen high. And I'm like, "Oh man, now I got to put these on the books." Yeah, but you know, it, uh, George is one of the one of the major influences for me. On the way that I look at life and the way I try to understand things. Not necessarily, you know, the latest late period George who was cynical to the point of frightening, but, you know, the arc of his life going from the hippy dippy weatherman to the guy who's very incisive about everything to the guy who reminds you that everything sucks one way or the other. All of that makes perfect sense. And the older I get, the more I feel like George knew something that I didn't. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, every year I'm going to be 190 and be going, if I knew at 175, what I know now, by the way, I'm, I'm just going to live forever. That's the plan.
0: But good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you, know, you want to know something real weird? I was flipping through YouTube uh, videos the other day and I came across mm-hmm. this George Carlin, uh, Merv Griffin, um, uh, thing that he did in like 1965 right? Mm-hmm. And it is weird to watch because he comes out and he is clean-shaven, short hair, mm-hmm. wearing a business yep. suit, and it's just We're like... A suit
1: and tie, doing a stand-up.
0: What is... Who is this? This isn't George Carlin. And then he opens his mouth and you're like, oh my god, this is George Carlin. And, then, they George. Meet, and then the video right after that is like 1966 or 1967. And he's gone full-on hippie at that point. Yep. And it's just weird to see that before and after. Because I think everybody looks at, knows George Carlin from that hippie trippy guy. Uh, right. but when you see him clean cut, you're just like, wow, that is, that is crazy. So does he address that yeah. in his book about, uh, when he went from clean yeah. cut to, uh, to, to the crazy hippie?
1: Yep. He, t- he talks about his days teaming with Jack and all of the things that happened. And then he talks about the slow transition. There's mm. actually a really fascinating bit where he talks about one line in one album, that I've always loved where he just all of a sudden starts off the cuff, spinning this silly story I'm ice. I used to be water. And he talks about this and he's like, this is a very important moment to me because I was looking at this and I'm like, this could be a whole new career. This could be George Carlin, you know, the, the comic who does the stream of consciousness stuff that no one else thinks of. And I'm like, my God, that would have been awesome. And he's like, and then I decided not to
0: <laughs>
1: Damn it, George. Why? But yeah, it's it's really, really good stuff. I do recommend it if you can get it. It's probably available.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. My number three book is Night Shift Dragons by Rachel Aaron. Now, Night Shift Dragons is the third book in the Detroit Free Zone book series, the Minimum Wage Magic uh, series, which mm-hmm. in itself is a spinoff of a series called Heart Strikers. Uh, But you don't have to read Heart Strikers, which I never did. and I don't think I have an interest in doing it. Um, This is a standalone series. uh, But I read the first two books of this like a year or so ago. And I was really waiting for the third book to show up because book two ends in a cliffhanger. And I was like, oh, no, is there going to be a book three? And sure enough, the book three just dropped like last month uh, (laughs) as of this court recording. So I think this was March is when it dropped. And Um, I was like, yeah, heck yeah, I'm going to buy this book. Uh, it is Nightshift Dragons and Night Shift Dragons the, or the minimum wage book or the Detroit Free Zone book uh, tells the story of a girl named Opal Yonge, who uh, this is a book that is in the future where AI and technology is a big deal. It's also a book where or a series where uh, the gig economy is in full effect and Opal is a cleaner. She goes around and she takes abandoned um, apartment buildings or apartments or people that are, you know, haven't paid their rent. And she goes in and cleans them, and she gets to keep anything that she finds in them. In fact, the way she goes and finds these apartments is she has to bid on them, and you bid on these based on what you see in the pictures, and then you go in and then you find whatever you can, and then you can auction that off, and that's how you make your money. Uh, why would she do this? Uh, she is a she's a uh, you know a college educated person. Um, well, she is trying to get out of debt under her father who is the great dragon of Korea. Ah. And, yeah. And through the course of the books, um, we learn why it's called the Detroit free zone is because uh, suddenly a God awakened beneath Detroit and was fed up with all the crap that was going on and uh, banished all the bad people and all the bad gods out of Detroit and said, this is my city. You can do whatever you want here. It's a free will zone. People can can do and live and, and uh, you know, make their monies. However they can, so Opal, you know, because of her use of magic, uh, has migrated to the Detroit Free Zone, and she's trying to get under out of her father's thumb, and through the course of multiple books, we find out why Opal is, hates her family. Now, Opal is a girl, a female girl. Uh, the Dragon of Korea is a dragon. Uh, you can figure out in the book, uh, or they tell you in the book, how that's possible. And in the third book, we really see a a reconciliation between father and daughter, stubborn father and daughter who just wants to be able to make her own choices, love who she wants to love, do what she wants to do. uh, And the father who eventually softens by the end of the book, I think it's a really cool book series. These are these are, um, you know, some people may not like it, uh, but uh, I found it incredibly enjoyable. I'm glad that the third book is done. I kind of wish there was a fourth book. Uh, But she, uh, Rachel Aaron, uh, who I follow on Twitter, did say that this is the third and final book in the series, which I do see that happening a lot with books these days where you will get a three book series. Um, uh, Our good friend Bill Schweigert has a a three book series uh, where the uh, the main, you know, um, character follows cryptids throughout the throughout the world, but primarily in the New Jersey area. Uh, So this one is a three book series, too. So that is Night Shift Dragons by Rachel Aaron. Really enjoyed it. I think. If you're wanting to see or try to get a better idea of what people mean by the gig economy, what it means to be a daughter of or someone who grows up in a very traditional Asian family. uh, I think this book covers that fairly well based on the experiences that I have seen and experienced myself. Um, And then also it's got magic and dragons and fighting and good guys and bad guys and all that stuff. So uh, that's why it made my number three. And Well, it also made my number three because it is the most it's the third most recent book that I have read. Oh. Matthew, what oh, are I we putting f- them in order? I th- them. Well, no, you can put them in any order. That's why I said at the beginning that these are the five most recent books that I have read in the last five ah. years. If we went back and, and, and I had to go back through, you know, 300 books that I've read over the last five years and pick my top five, that would be nearly impossible. Uh, right. So that's why I'm just going with the five most recent that I have read. And I think these are all nice. good books. I, I, I don't think that there is a book here that I have finished reading and said, well, my number one might be that way but I think it has some <laughs> redeeming values there. I've never f- read a book where I, at the end of it I was like, Pleh. except for Oil by Sinclair Lewis, which I hated. By the time I got to that and the ending just went Bleh. I was like, screw this book. and never reading Sinclair Lewis ever again. Uh, but just go Night of Dragons, No
1: Country for Old Men. It's fine.
0: Well, you, well, that's what it's based on, right? Except it's based on, like, the first chapter of Oil. Uh, that, that's a longer discussion that I've had before. Yeah, the, just that's read science. the first chapter. That's all you need. After that, it goes off in a totally different direction from the the movie. So there you go. Matthew, what do you have for your, I think we're up to our number twos. My number two. Your number two, please.
1: Kids, it's one of those times where if you're under the age of 25, you're going to have to ask your parent or an older person what in the world I'm talking about. When you think of the cartoon where Bugs Bunny is standing and there's an angel on one shoulder and a devil on the other, whispering in his ears, trying to tell him what to do. If you emphasize, if you say that, you know, without a value judgment, that that devil, that cynical voice is George whispering in my left ear, then you have to look at the other shoulder and you will find a more wholesome, less cynical, but equally dark and funny voice whispering in my right ear. And that voice is Alfred Yankovic. And so my number two is Weird Al colon, the book by Nathan Rabin and Weird Al Yankovic, and it's another example of something where an autobiography doesn't necessarily have to be a boring recitation of facts and timelines. It doesn't have to be, uh, then I graduated and went off to work in the Peace Corps. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, there are stories that are just riveting, that are told entirely straightforward. Weird Al, the book, is more of a multimedia experience. It's freaky, and it's strange, and it's exactly what you'd expect from the man who literally perfected pop culture parody to the point where every time, back in the days of LimeWire and Downloads, every time there was a parody song, it would be attributed to a misspelled Weird Al. Doesn't matter what it was. If it's gross, if it's awful, it's it's terrible, if it's not funny, it's all from Weird Al. W-I-E-R-D. And that's how you knew it was fake. But this book, which I think I got like four years ago, but may have come out several years before that. This book is really, really funny. And it's written by Nathan Raven. And if you know nothing else about Nathan Raven, you know that Nathan Raven came up with the phrase Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And he feels really bad about it. So imagine the thought process that created that description of a very familiar trope and redesigned the way we talk about these movies. Now imagine that pointed at Weird Al, who's a frickin' genius. You can tell me, oh, uh, is he really? He rewrites other people's songs. Yes, he does. But he does it well. And he does it artistically. And there are songs of his that are parodies of things that you didn't know. The other, I mean, I, I tell this story, but maybe a year year and a half ago i was sitting in the car and i realized that mr Popiel from the 1982 album weird al in 3d is a parody of the b-52s not a particular song not you know something famous they did it is literally a parody of the career the style the je ne sais quoi that constitutes the b-52s and it's so good and so subtle that it took me thirty years to pick up on it. And that, my friends, in a book is why you should read Weird Al the book, my number two book that I've read in the last five years.
0: Nice. Uh, yeah. My number two book that I just finished a week ago, a few days. Ago. Uh, I think it was like Saturday or Sunday of this week.
1: Wait, as of this week, or yeah, as, as of, of, the of this recording, hearing? as of
0: the the week of this book that uh, the week of Hello, this recording. Hello,
1: slightly in the future,
0: people. Yeah, and this might be, I think this is maybe two or three weeks from now, so who knows. Uh, But it's a book that I've read, uh, haven't read before, uh, but I've read little bits and pieces and I've, you know, had discussions about it or listened to discussions about it. Uh, It is a book that's told in a non-linear order. Um, It starts with Billy Pilgrim has come unstuck in time or lost in time, and it (laughs) ends with Peter Whoop. Uh, It is Slaughterhouse-Five from Kurt Vonnegut. Uh, This is, you know, when you listen to or when you read... The first, uh, I don't know if it's really the introduction, it's kind of the first chapter where Kurt Vonnegut is going around and talking about how he wanted to write a book about the bombing of Dresden and the horrors of war and uh, going and talking with his friend who he was also a prisoner of war uh, with in Dresden during the bombings and everything and trying to figure out what is the best way to tell this story. And then you find out that the narrator of Billy Pilgrim's story is, in fact, Kurt Vonnegut, who kind of plays a very minor, minor role in this Um, we learn the life of Billy Pilgrim and how he becomes unstuck in time and how he was abducted by the uh, Tralfamorgians or whatever their names are. Um, uh, Tralfamordians. Yeah, something like that. Uh, And, you know, the things that happens to his life in a very nonlinear fashion, you find out what these moments are meaningful in Billy's life. You try to pull some meaning from this, but we also see that Billy's life is very tragic from beginning to end. And it had this story been told linear, linearly, it probably would not have been as interesting. And so when you kind of tear up scenes and you just throw them up in the air and you just, whatever order they land in, that's how you tell the story, I think makes this really interesting. Uh, Memento, the movie, would not be interesting told in beginning to end order. Instead, it's being told from the end to the beginning. Uh, when it's told from the end to the beginning, it's a very interesting movie. It's thrilling. It's You're wondering what's going to happen next. When you watch Memento from beginning to end, it's a very boring movie about a very horrible person doing things uh, really bad to a man who has a mental uh, disorder, who has a a, a, a mental disorder, I guess, is brain damage, I guess is the the word that I want to use here. And I think the same is true with Billy Pilgrim. Here's a person who has some brain damage, has some post-traumatic stress, um, maybe some schizophrenia going on, and how he reconciles all of this, and we are presented with this in a very nonlinear fashion. But through the process, we get the story of the bombing of Dresden and the impact that it had on everybody. And because we're viewing it through Billy Pilgrim's life, and then we also know that Kurt Vonnegut is a character in Billy Pilgrim's concentration camp, we get to understand what the meaning is to Kurt Vonnegut and to other World War II veterans uh, that have gone through the horrors of war. If you've never read Slaughterhouse-Five, I would suggest that you do so. i I think it's a an interesting book in the sense of sci-fi and time travel, and what is it, you know, what are the horrors of war? Uh, I know this book is about to be adapted into a comic book for, I believe, Boom Studios. And I think they're going to do it in the same way that they did uh, do android Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, where they basically take the text from the book one hundred percent without editing it slap together with pictures, and then run it over a multiple series. I think that's what they're going to do with this. I also believe that there's another movie. Uh, there was a movie done, I, I want to say, in like late 70s, early 80s. Um, I think they're getting ready to do another movie of Slaughterhouse-Five. So now might be a bu- good time to pick up this book and read about the adventures of Bill, Billy Pilgrim, uh, his time in the war, his time as an op- uh, uh, optrician, Right. What's the no. What's the ophthalmologist? That's the eye doctor. Ophthalmologist. Yeah. Optician. optician, Yes. As well as his time being captured by an alien race that looks like a plunger with a hand on top and an eye in the center. So that's Slaughterhouse Five by Kurt Vonnegut. You've read that book before, right, Matthew?
1: Yeah, I want to say I read it in high school. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a while ago.
0: Yeah. All right. We have made it to our number ones. So, Matthew, and please share. So it goes. And so it goes. Uh, so, Matthew, please share with us your number one book that you have read recently.
1: My number one, uh, Surprising No One, is another uh, Christmas gift. This one I think I got in 2017. But more importantly, it is a book that's spurred a really important conversation that never actually got finished. I'm really sad about it. Um, But nonetheless, it is a collection of short fiction by one of my favorite authors, who's really good at short fiction. Um, I don't have any of his big novels to speak of, but I have every single one of Stephen King's short story collections. Uh, The latest one, The Bazaar of Bad Dreams, is exactly what it says on the tin. Because this is a truly disturbing series of stories. Sometimes you'll get, um, like, if you you read Stephen King's Everything's Eventual, there are a couple of funny stories in there. There's one that's really tragic that's actually a a fictionalized account of the last days of John Dillinger that's really, really good. I recommend it to anyone who wants to see it. But if you start The Bizarre of Bad Dreams, you start with Mile 81, which is a, a novella. Which has a lot in common with his story uh, from a Buick Eight, if you've ever read that one.
0: Mm, no,
1: But it ends terribly. Uh, and then we get to, you know, we transition to things like uh, Bad Little Kid, where a man is tortured by the same bully throughout his life. And this bully is always an 11 year old kid in a beanie. And this kid shows up and murders everyone he loves uh, throughout his life. And it ends on this ambiguous note. And then there's one about avatars of death, how everyone sees their own avatar, so when you die, you'll get your own avatar, and the main character of the book ambiguously ends by seeing someone that he thinks is his avatar of death. Um, There's Summer Thunder, which is a post-apocalyptic story of a man who decides to go out on his own terms, but probably the most horrifying thing in it is a story called Obits, where a man jokingly writes an obituary for someone he doesn't like, and that person dies. And he gets a job writing obituaries for the paper, and he writes another joke obituary, and that person dies. And then he writes another joke obituary, and he realizes that not only did that person die, but several other people with that same name. And oh my God, it is such a dark story it is so so horrifying and if you like i do like to sublimate your terror and anxiety into a horrifying story that you can then you know ball up throw over your shoulder and bark like a dog which is what these books are really really good for
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know you're anxious you're upset you're mad about stuff you read this story bad things happen to bad people and you go man at least i wasn't eaten by a cthulian monstrosity and you feel better and that is why I recommend The Bizarre of Bad Dreams. I actually recommend all of King's short fiction, especially Everything's Eventual, which is uh, what gave us 1408, that movie with uh, John Cusack and mm-hmm. uh, Samuel L. Jackson. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I also recommend Skeleton Crew, which is old school in all the yeah, best that's ways.
0: Like, that's like one of his first collections of short stories, right?
1: That's from like 1980, I think. Skeleton oh, really? Crew, I think, yeah. is his second. Night Shift is his first. Mm-hmm. Then Skeleton Crew. I remember my friend's... Uh, passing around skeleton crew and going tee hee there's bad words in here (laughs)
0: and and, what four seasons after that 14 Were the bachman books or whatever after that
1: the bachman books is actually four novellas that's a very very good one i wouldn't call that a short story but yeah the bachman books is fascinating because um one of them is out of print now for a very good reason and then different seasons is the one where three of the four stories have become huge movie hits yeah because Shawshank by Redemption me, Shawshank is in there. Redemption. Stand By Me, and then Apt Pupil, mm-hmm. which had Brad Renfro and Sir Ian Magneto, which is a lesser known but still pretty solid film. Yeah. And then, of course, there's a force piece that nobody could ever make into a movie. And if they ever try, I will go and see it, and I will go, I told you this is why you couldn't make it into a movie.
0: <laughs> All right. My number one is actually a recommendation of one of my students. Uh, we have a discussion in one of my classes that... You know, if you want to be a creator, doesn't matter whether you want to be a writer, whether you w- rather want to be a film director, um, if you want to be talent, doesn't matter. You enrich yourself by reading books. And the more books that you can read, the more stuff you can absorb about culture, the more stuff that you can read about things that you're interested in or things that you want to pursue. You know, if you want to write, want to write horror or you want to work in, you know, some genre of horror Then read as many horror books as you can. Watch as many horror movies as you can. And so I had asked the students, what are some books that you have read recently, just to see if they were reading books? And one of my students said, hey, I just uh, one of my favorite books that I read and I've read it probably five or six times um, is the book Supermarket by Bobby Hall. And he recommended, it. I was like, oh, okay, this, uh, you know, he talked about a guy who wants to be a writer who goes to work at a at a supermarket and things go weird is kind of, I think, how he pitched it to me. And I was like, oh, okay, this sounds really interesting. And, you know, I want to be in touch with the, with the times. I want to be hip with what the kids are reading these days. Uh, it's by Bobby Hall, who is also apparently a, um, a musician by the name of Logic. I don't uh-huh. think I've heard any of his music. Uh, But I I decided uh, now that I would done done with Slaughterhouse-Five that I would get to a recommendation by one of my students, again, just a few months ago. Probably, I think it was right before everything shut down because of uh, coronavirus. Um, I had added it to my list, so it would be late February when I I picked this up. And just got around to reading it. And it's really about a three-day read. Uh, You know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there. You can get it done in about three days. But uh, it is a story about a guy who goes to work at a supermarket so he can get information, uh, so he can write his his book, uh, and he meets a lot of interesting characters there, including a guy named Frank. And uh, I don't want to spoil it too much for you, but this is the book I was probably the most disappointed in, only because this book feels like, I don't want to use YA as a, a dismissive,
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, but it feels like, and the main character is like 20 or 30s, late 20s, early 30s. So it's not like, he's gotta be late 20s. Yeah, he's, you know, not even out of college. Didn't go to college. Um, but it feels like that, that younger, hipper version of Fight Club. And it also feels like it's smashed together with One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. So if you've read both of those books, or if you've seen both of those movies, you will know everything that pops up in Supermarket. The minute that it pops up, you're like, oh, this is what's going to happen here. And this is what's going to happen here. And oh, Uh sure enough, it plays out exactly like you think it is. And if you know what Fight Club is about, and you know what One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is about, then you know everything you need to know about what Supermarket is about. Now, I think this is well written. Okay. Better than what I've written, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but it's also very predictable to people who are savvy. Uh, so if you are someone that's like, ooh, I'll never read an old book like Fight Club, or ooh, I don't watch old movies <laughs> like One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, ooh, that stuff's for old people. I'm young and I'm hip. Well, then go read Supermarket by Bobby Hall. Did I enjoy the book? I enjoyed it. Yes. Um, did I enjoy it as much as the other books on my list? No. Um, would I recommend it to a lot of other people? Eh, not if you're savvy. Um, but if you're wanting to know what the young kids are into these days, then yeah, maybe. Hmm. Uh, so again, these aren't the, the best books that I've read in the last five years. These are the five most recent books that I have read. (laughs) Now there are two other, two others that are not on this list at the time of this recording because one is a short story, uh, by Joe R. Lansdale. Um, let me see if I can find it real quick. It's called um, do 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 do. It's called Veil's Visit. It is a, a novella or a short story uh, set in the Happen Leonard universe where the two are in jail for once again trying to burn down the crack house next door to uh, to Leonard's house, and oh. the lawyer who comes down and gets them out of jail. I kind of read that as a as a uh, lead into the new Happen Leonard story that just came out this uh, last week from Joe R. Lansdale. I really enjoy his writing. Uh, The other one that I'm right in the middle of, and I think literally I have two chapters left in, is Damn Fine Story by Chuck Wendig, who started my list, and it is a book on writing. You know, his idea of what it means to be a writer and how you craft stories and what you should be thinking about when you're crafting stories and those kinds of things. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the other books that I've read within the last six months is Stephen King's On Writing, which is a fantastic book, and if you want to be a writer... Stephen King's on writing is great. If you're a fan of Stephen King, I would also recommend that book because uh, the first half of it is biography of him in right. his own words talking about, you know, here's how I became a writer. Here's how things happened. It goes all the way up to at least in the 10th anniversary uh, collection that I read. Uh, it goes right up to the point where he was struck by um, that car along the road
1: smooth criminal. Yes.
0: And about a year after his recovery. And then he goes into the mechanics of writing. Uh, The 20th anniversary of Stephen King's On Writing is about to be released or just released. And it features a forward by Joe Hill and his uh, other son, Owen? Owen. Owen King. King, Yeah. Yeah. So it's got two introductions by his two kids. Uh, So, you know, those are some books to read. But that is the the one I I almost, I was almost done with it today, uh, but I didn't get to it. So that would mean I read three books in the last, in the last week and a half. Um, But those are the five most recent books, usually by the end of the year. I don't know if I put this on. I don't think I did it for 2019 up on the Major Spoiler site just because we live in a crap timeline right now. Uh, Uh But um, towards the end of the year over at Majorspoilers.com, I will post a list of all the books that I read in the past year and uh, sometimes a little a few thoughts on those books, uh, even if it's just a one one sentence review of the book. Um, so be on the lookout for that at the end of the year. And if you're someone who loves reading books, hopefully this might give you some other books to check out. Uh, I certainly have a lot more books on the way, and uh, I think because I will finish um, I will finish Chuck's book probably tomorrow, the uh, damn fine story. oh yeah, i'm I'm just got a few. there are just a few uh, after that. After that, the next one up is. Uh, Lev Grossman's Warp, which I believe, I think that's, yeah, it's Warp, which was the novel that he wrote before he wrote The Magicians. Uh And so a lot of people are like, oh, if you read this and you know about The Magicians, then you will see him laying the groundwork for what The Magicians will be, which is the big series of of magic users in college. Um, so I'm going to be reading that next. And if I look at my list, let me go here. If anybody cares, do you have some other books that you have? Matthew. Oh that, no! No, that's it. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll, let me just go through here then, and let me let me find the next. I can tell you the next books that I'm reading. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. The obstacle is the way. Uh, the life and times of Prince Albert, which is uh, I don't know anything about that book except it's a freebie. Um,
1: I know he spent a lot of time in the can.
0: A long time ago in a cutting room. It's all about editing by Paul Hirsch. How to have impossible conversations. Uh, influence. One Million Followers, uh, Tiny Habits, True Detective, um, let's see, Cut and Run, which I don't know what, it's on my, oh, that's an Acker and Blacker book, so uh, that's, uh, I like those guys from their um, show that they used to do. True is on my list, and then I'm really interested in two more series that uh, kind of fall into this fantasy uh, setting. Interview with a Robot, which I believe is the first book in an ongoing series, and let's see if I can find the other one. Three Mages and a Margarita is another uh, modern-day magic fantasy series. Uh, And I want to read the first book on that, see if it's any good. And then, because we haven't got another Jim Butcher Dresden Files book in forever, I'm going to read Jim uh, Jim Butcher's Spider-Man The Darkest Hours. So Jim Butcher wrote a Spider-Man book, and I'm going to read that. So those are the next uh, series of books on my list. Maybe some others will slip in there if something really pops up and grabs my attention. I was really hoping that new Happen Leonard book was going to be um, available in in audio form, but it is not yet, and so that angers me. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. What books are on your list? What are the books that you have read recently? Are they yeah. fantasy? Are they mystery? Are they horror? Biography? Self-help? What are they? We want to know. Matthew wants to know. Everybody in our Discord server wants to know. So get over there and share with them, and they will share with you. Why? Because everybody loves to read, and everybody loves a list. This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC. This is your moment. Your moment to move forward and make progress. It's time to see where an education can take you. For over 130 years, Strayer University has been at the forefront of change. Offering programs that help students like you get ahead and stay ahead
1: so you can keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up.